Welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. Four women born in four different decades on a mission to help you eat right, get strong, and feel confident in your body. We have all struggled with our body image and confidence at some point, which is why we came together to create this podcast, to remind you that no matter how old you are, you can do this. All you need is support and us, your four empowered besties, to help you crush it on your health and fitness journey. Join us each week for an episode packed on not just what to do, but how to actually do it. We share the crap that no one else talks about because you deserve to succeed and we love keeping it real. Whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, or beyond, we got you covered. From four badass women to another, know that we love you, we appreciate you, and you deserve to feel good in your body. Now let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Decades of Strength podcast with your hosts, Marcy, Kim, Sam, and Sarah. Hello, ladies. Hey. Hey. How's everyone doing? Amazing. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I'm feeling sunshiny today. It's hot here. It's hot over there, right? 100 on the East Coast? Yeah, it's, uh, I have sweat dripping down my back, not going to lie right now. <laughs> I know you, are, you and I are the lucky ones to live in a place with no AC. It's freaking nightmare in summer. <laughs> oh that's okay though. We're we're making do. Uh and AC is going to be mine in a few weeks when I move, so it'll be all good. Oh my nice. god. You are going to be living the dream, sitting mm-hmm. in the air and like, yeah, this is I've made it here. Yeah, I've, I've made it. I don't need to do anything for the rest of my life. Else, I've got aircon. <laughs> That's all you need. <laughs> Sarah, what's what's going on in London town? London is hot actually right now. Um, we're doing the usual, some days hot, some days cold, um, everywhere's busier because we're all kind of off, off lockdown-ish. Um, life is good. Um, yeah, I've got sweaty, sweaty thighs right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's nicer off lockdown because I'm back in lockdown. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we are. And it seems to be... And they're just about to bring in, we have to wear masks in shops, which we haven't had to, we haven't had to do, but mm-hmm. yeah, definitely a sense of um, normality, new mm-hmm. normality back, um, but we'll see how long it lasts. And then what about gyms? Are those open? 25th of July. Oh, okay. But you decide, you don't know yet if you're going to go back. So I've put my very expensive gym membership that I had um, on hold while I make the decision. Um, I don't even know that I can get out of the contract, even if I decide, even if I decide without making up some dramatic, dramatic story. Um, but I've just put it on, put it on, because I don't know, I don't know what it's gonna be. I don't know what they're gonna do. I know you have to book, so that like slots. I yeah. That's that. um, but I haven't worked out when you've got to wear masks and all that kind of stuff. So we will see. If I don't go there, I am going to go to a um, cheaper gym just to try it out and see how. So what about that place right down the street from you? That Sam and I oh, went. That was nice. That wasn't bad. No, there's College the, Town. Oh my God, it wasn't bad at all. I have a thing about environment, like the feel and like you know energy of the environment, and that just does not do it to me. Yeah, well, energy is important. Energy is important for sure. Teenage boys sweating is not my idea. Of <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> years old. I really feel I should be training somewhere a little bit. <laughs> That's my gym currently, ladies. So uh, my son has because gyms are kind of open around here. 
but my son has brought all his friends to train in my home oh, gym my summer. So usually four days a week, if not five days a week, there's three to four people here training with my son. They're very, they're very on it. And um, so I've taught my son to lift and my son is coaching them to lift. And I went down and ran a little mini squat clinic this morning. Um, everybody's trying to squat heavy. And so I was down there. My son was squatting. Who was he squatting? I think he was at 205 for four sets of four. So I was really happy about that for him. And so I was, yeah, so I was down there. I was down there teaching. Um, it's three guys and my son's girlfriend and my son. And they're all down there lifting. They're still down there now. I didn't know your son had a girlfriend. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's had a girlfriend a long time. Like, um, oh. they started dating in high school. My son's going to be a junior in college, but it's weird. They broke up. He went away to college. They broke up. They didn't speak. And then when she went to college the next year, they still weren't speaking. And they ended up at the same college, like two dorm rooms away from, like two buildings away from each other. And so that worked out well. Oh, wow. Oh. Is this that they're still together? Is this that temple? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. Oh, what a nice love story. Yeah. And I was super proud of her. She was, she was squatting 115 this morning. So I was really glad. Oh. I mean, they, they just started lifting a couple months ago. That's awesome. All going on in your basement. Yeah. This is all in my basement. <laughs> like, Welcome to Kim's mysterious yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> circus in the basement. <laughs> Lots of... <laughs> Lots of sweaty teenage people in my basement. <laughs> well, hopefully they are all showering and wearing deodorant because I know that can be a yeah. smelly. No, it wasn't smelly. I gave everybody yep. a little lesson about how I like things re-racked yesterday. Perfect. <laughs> they were putting my 45-pound plates like down on the ground and no, like, no. I was like, no, no, this is where we put them and this is why we put them there. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Teach them, uh, start them young. Yeah. Learning the rules. Yeah, it's awesome. fun. I like it. I wish somebody had shown me this stuff when I was a teenager. So it makes me excited to be teaching people. For sure. Yeah, very good. All right, ladies. Well, we are talking today about mindful eating. So it's a little bit of a spinoff from the episode that we did last week on presence, which I have to be honest, was probably my favorite episode that we have recorded to date. It was a little bit different than what we usually talk about when it comes to health and fitness and habits and all that. But I think it's just such an important concept um, for just for life and really getting as much enjoyment and fulfillment out of it. And yeah, but the, I was thinking about it after we recorded, I'm like, we didn't even talk about being present when you eat. And that is so, so important. I know myself, I am like a human garbage disposal. I will just shovel the food in and move on with my day. I think it's because I spent so many years training at the gym and was having to eat in between clients. So like mm. microwaving a sweet potato and eating it while I was, you know, walking onto the gym floor. And that is just not, not useful at all. So <laughs> would like to chat a little bit about that. Um, Kim, let's start with you because you're actually doing something really interesting right now. Maybe you can talk to the listeners about your habit challenge. So you are in a fat loss phase and deciding not to count calories or track macros or any of that. And you are going to use a habit-based approach, which I think this mindful eating concept is definitely a part of or can like really help you 
-hmm. when you don't have those guardrails of the calories or the macros to keep you on track. Yeah, absolutely. This is, I love this subject. Mindful eating is one of my favorite subjects. I've given, um, like seminar talks on it before. It's something I might be developing a course on. I love this. I love this topic. A lot of my clients, they struggle because they're not eating mindfully. They're just not thinking about their food. They're, they're using food in place of other strategies to handle their emotions. This food is just their go-to for all things. And so really being thoughtful about why are we eating? And the main reason we should be eating is, ta-da, we're hungry. <laughs> like We should still be able to enjoy our food, but really we should be eating when we're hungry. And so the challenge I'm doing right now is based on Georgie Fear's book, Lean Habits, and working through her four core habits. The first one, which is you just eat three times a day, you eat three meals, and that's it. So that's all I'm doing for the next two weeks. I'm leading a bunch of people through it. Um, we just don't snack. We just eat our meals. And you might be like, well, what the heck does that do? But eventually that pattern of not snacking and eating these three meals, the next habit we're going to stack on in two weeks is eating after we've been hungry for 30 to 60 minutes, which takes some training to figure out what does true belly hunger feel like? What is actual physical hunger versus what is emotional hunger? Those kinds of things, picking that apart and learning to sit with your hunger. I already had comments from people yesterday when I was asking them how they're doing with the challenge. And the one woman had said, actually two women said, um, I find that I ate more at some meals, even when I wasn't hungry, um, to prevent myself from being hungry later. And mm. so my question to them and to the audience I was talking to, I was like, all right, let's just sit with that thought for a minute and think about like, what if you do get hungry later? Like what will happen? right? Because like we feel like we need to prevent it, but really what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. um, so really thinking about, am I hungry? What happens if I get hungry? Like I could talk about this for like five hours, guys, but that's kind of where we're going with this challenge. Um, and eventually the goal is you stack on enough habits, you will start to lose weight without tracking calories because you were very much in tune with your body, how much you're eating, why you're eating, when you should stop eating, all those things. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I I've had that experience recently, like even in the past couple of days where if I'm really busy with work and I'm at my desk just for hours on end and I'll notice, okay, I ate, let's say two and a half hours ago, but I start what I think is feeling hungry and it's more hunger in my head. And I don't even mean from a, a boredom perspective. It's almost this like weird brain foggy type feeling where I don't necessarily feel the emptiness in my gut, but I feel this kind of lightheaded brain fog. I don't know if it's because I've been focusing for too much or like staring at a screen. And so I'm kind of getting, you know, tired and out of it, but like, it makes me feel like I need to eat, even though I don't feel that physical sensation in my stomach, mm -hmm. you know? So distinguishing between the two is really interesting. And I'm like, I'm, I'm the type of person who, I love the food that I eat. So I will repeat the same meals over and over and over again. And I'm like, I mean, there are reasons why you could be more hungry from one day to the next, you know, despite eating similar foods day in and day out. Like maybe I didn't sleep as well. Maybe I'm stressed. Maybe I had like a really hard workout earlier before, like at a different time of the day. I mean, so many confounding variables that can contribute, but it is weird that, you know, sometimes that meal will hold me over for four hours. And then lately oh, at the two hour mark, I'm like, gosh, when's my next meal? I'm hungry. So, but like, am I really hungry? You know? So yeah, being able to be, to distinguish between that is super important. 
and definitely it takes a practice. practice for, it takes practice. Yeah. Marcy, that situation you were explaining, it's definitely somewhere I've been that whole, like sitting at your desk and the foggy and like, maybe what I need is a snack. What I've worked on really hard is what I need is a friggin' break. Like I need yeah. to stop staring at my computer. I need to get up. I need to move my body. I need to get some fresh air. And look, I'm no pro at making myself do this. Sometimes I'm just like, no, you're just going to sit here and power through. And sometimes I'll eat and sometimes I won't, but really recognizing what our body wants, which is it wants it. It wants some time to stop staring at your screen and like stressing over all the problems you're trying to solve for the world. And mine is probably Marcy. Hydrate. You need some water, not just coffee yeah. and matcha. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. So anyway, thank you, Kim. Sammy. Yeah. Um, so I'm on board with what Kim was talking about. Um, I taught a whole entire like module on mindful eating in my breakthrough course um, because it is something that over the past no, I guess a year or so I've really tried to hone in on because I haven't tracked calories in I don't know it's been a long time um and I totally believe that you can lose weight without tracking calories but it takes it's a it's a very very like high level skill that's required especially if you've been in the dieting world where you're tracking calories 24 7 and you're very like attached to my fitness pal um, and so at a certain point in my own relationship with food, I was just like, I don't want to track anymore. Like, I don't want to do that anymore. And the only way that it was possible to do that was with having these kind of like these structures in place, which for me is having two big ass meals. That's what I love. And it works. And really understanding the difference between like head hunger and physical hunger and realize like, I think the thing that has helped me the most in my own like mindful eating journey is experimenting with how long I can go without food. Um, and, and realizing that like hunger comes in waves and it comes and goes and it doesn't ever just continue. It doesn't not, it's not a, a line that continues to go up. It's a wave. It's a sine wave. And so like the maximum amount of hunger you'll experience is the maximum amount of hunger that you'll experience and it will go away. And mm -hmm. I've experimented with doing different types of fasts just to see like what I'm, what I'm capable of because I was so scared to be hungry for all of the time I've ever losing weight um, that I would eat to prevent hunger. Like you, like you had mentioned Marcy and I was scared of hunger. I thought I was going to like, it felt like I was going to combust or like die um, on like a, you know, a subconscious level. I don't think I was really like feeling that way. I was like, I gotta eat, I gotta eat, I gotta eat, I gotta stay fueled. I gotta keep my metabolism going. And then I was like, that's not true. You know, after doing a lot of the research and understanding actually how your body works. And in fact, giving your body a break from constant digestion is actually one of the most incredible things you can do for your body and for longevity. Um, so I've just developed pre, during, and post meal, like what I like to call like rituals. So my pre-meal ritual is like anytime before I eat, I use the three W's. So I just like put the three fingers up on my hand, like I'm doing a, making a W, um, water, why, and then I wait. So before I'm about to eat, I try to practice these things. So I chug water. I ask myself, why am I eating? And I will just wait. And I will give myself that pause because like, to be honest, about like eight to nine out of eight to nine times out of 10, I just want to eat because it's fun and mm -hmm. like I'm bored or like food tastes good or like I want something. I just want something. Mm -hmm. And 
often if I drink something, like could be sparkling water, it could be regular water, it could be water with meal or lemon or whatever, it does the trick. Or I go yeah. for a walk. Um, and that's actually what I need. Like you said, Kim, I need the break. So I'll use that. And that that is like, that is the mindful pause that I use to help me make decisions that are aligned with my goals. Um, and then slowing down, like just slowing down between each bite has been a huge game changer for me and not thinking about food as being just like, oh, I got to just do this and get it over with so I can do the next thing. It's like truly spring the meal. Um, and then in terms of fullness, um, I, the, the gauge I like to use to help me not overeat is like, I should be able to do 10 jumping jacks right after a meal or like run down the street. And I know I've eaten too much if I can't do one of those two things, or if I can't take my vitamins, which requires me to drink a lot of water. Like if I feel like I'm going to throw up because I'm about to take my vitamins, that's not good. And I've totally had moments like that. Like it's not, it's an evolving practice. Like some days I'm like, well, definitely ate too fast, ate too much. All right. I've learned. Um, and it, like you guys have said, it's so practice because like every food reacts differently and so many things affect your hunger levels. Some days I'm freaking starving. Some days I'm like, I could probably go a good amount of time without eating if I'm being honest, but I just like eating. <laughs> so understanding myself, like, am I eating because I'm hungry or am I eating because I want to eat? Um, and, and then choosing and just feeling like I can do either and I get to choose here. So that's my big, that's my biggest tips that have helped me, help my clients. Um, and knowing that you're in control of your food by doing things like leaving, leaving bites behind. I know Kim, you talk about that a lot in your story. That just like goes to show you that you can do it. You like prove to yourself, like I can leave a bite of food on the plate. I could eat it. I could, but I don't have to. And it's kind of just proving to yourself, like I can eat again in an hour if I wanted or in three hours or in the next morning. And I'm always reminding myself, I can have more later. I can have more later. I can have more later. And that's been super helpful for me. Yeah. Uh, I actually just got a text from one of my new clients before we started recording and she was like, Oh, I want to share something with you. And you know, I'm really proud of myself, which was she's at work and they brought in lunch and they had, you know, bagels and locks and stuff. And she was like, you know, usually when this happened in the past, I would get the full bagel, eat it all, eat some more after that. Which is like, in this time I paused, I really asked myself like, how much do I need? How much do I want? And I was able to only eat half the bagel and I was fine. Mm. And I was like, isn't that amazing? So that's the one thing that I'm constantly telling my clients and asking myself because so many of us have these limiting beliefs around what is possible for us. We have these stories and so much is like, I can't do that. I always do this. And it's like, all right, well, let's start looking for evidence as to why that is not true. Evidence mm -hmm. as like where in your life have you been able to do this? Um, and another quick example, again, a newer client had said to me, because I practice flexible dieting with my clients, you know, no foods are off limits. We eat everything in moderation. You know, yes, maybe in the beginning you are going to overeat something, but it is a practice. We will get better. You have to make those mistakes, learn those lessons in order to improve. Um, and she made a comment to me. She's like, yeah, well, I ordered cookies and I probably shouldn't have ordered the cookies. And I said, well, why do you think you shouldn't have ordered the cookies? Because, you know, I can't stop myself and I know that I'm going to overeat them. And I said, all right, well, this is a great opportunity to practice. 
And she's like, yeah, you're right. I never thought about it that way. And I checked in with her yesterday and she said, yeah, I only ate, you know, half of the cookie at one moment. And then I ate the other half, you know, later on, I did not finish the entire box. And I was like, that's amazing. So see, you proved to yourself that you can do it. And I've only done fasting, like to, to your point on fasting, I've only done it one time um, when I was traveling to the East Coast. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like didn't really do it purposely, but it ended up being a 24 hour fast by the time I got there. And I was like, oh my gosh, look, I did that. And I, I was so hungry when I got to the hotel and I ordered, oh my gosh, the, the most disgusting meal I've ever eaten. I couldn't even eat it. It was salmon. It was salmon and broccoli. From Apple you're telling us about that. Oh my gosh. I was so excited. Yeah. Like could not wait to get my salmon. Took one bite. And I was like, well, like couldn't even eat it. Was, even the broccoli what a disappointing like, meal to break what? your fast with. Like that's well, I didn't and my, my options were limited at this point because we were in we were in like Nashua, New Hampshire. Everything was closed except for Applebee's. <laughs> and I do not like Applebee's. Yeah. No, it's not great. Pickens were slim. So anyway, um, but I, you know, I had that one bite. I'm like, oh, technically I broke my fast, but I didn't even really eat it. So I probably could have gone to bed and woke up the next day and still had been fasting and been okay because yeah, I wasn't going to die. But anyway, it's, it's a really uh, good challenge for, for anyone listening that struggles with hunger is to whatever, like whenever you feel inclined to eat, cause you're like, Oh, I'm hungry. Just like add five minutes onto that or like add yeah. 10 minutes or whatever. And like, it's a practice that I use with my clients is like, just see if you can add five minutes onto your hunger tolerance. And like, I'll just share with you guys. I'm actually doing a fast, not even intentionally. It just happened. Um, Yesterday, I stopped eating at like five and I haven't eaten today. And it wasn't for any other purpose than I have had, I was, I had a crazy night last night. I just wasn't really that hungry. And I was like, cool, I'm going to just go with it. And same with this morning. I woke up, I was hungry for like five minutes and then it went away. And it's so crazy. Your body is just like so resilient, smart. And it's probably because I overate like an asshole on Sunday at my dad's 60th party. And mm -hmm. it's like, I got all the food in me. I'm fueling. I got body fat. Like my body's like, I'm good. You can feed me, but like, I don't really need that right now. And it's so like, if you would ever to, were to ask me, like, go ahead and do a 24 hour fast, Sam, I'd be like, ah, no. <laughs> so I think we should do a whole episode on fasting sometime, ladies. I, I have a whole history of fasting. Fasting is a part of my religious culture. Yeah. Um, I would love to chat about this. I have, I have lots of feelings about fasting. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. We'll do a whole yeah. episode on this. It, yeah, it is. It's definitely a spiritual practice. One of my clients went to a like a three day fasting retreat type thing, and she came back. She's like, "Oh my gosh, I feel like I feel so amazing. I'm a new woman," you know. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, let's move on to the queen, Sarah. The queen, the queen. Um, wow, there was so much good stuff said from all of you. Um, I resonated with a lot of it, and um, so I coach my clients on food freedom, intuitive eating, um, because what I've kind of learned from my own experience is that a lot of clients that I have who come to me and they're kind of scared of the non-calorie counting, it all comes down to them not trusting themselves. So a big part of rebuilding trust is about saying, yo, you know what, you can actually, you can actually eat without having to have it by a number. And I know from my own experience, I spent years in the airline industry where a bit like Marcy in the gym, it was basically just eat on the run and it was eating all funny times of the day. Um, so I, I think was very tuned 
out of my body, like signaling stuff for a while. And then I then went into letting my fitness pal be the dictator of what I was going to eat. Um, and that lasted for a, a fair few years. I was so reliant on numbers. Um, and then eventually decided that I just couldn't carry on outsourcing my own, like, you know, what I was going to eat to some app. So I, you know, spent time just learning what my, what my body was trying to tell me, which wasn't, which wasn't easy because I found it all very confusing about like, okay, what does this, what does this mean? What's, what is this pang? What is actually going on? What should, what should I do right now? Um, so, but then I kind of got out of the practice of mealtime mindful eating. So I can listen to my body, but then I'd slipped into, yeah, okay, I'm hungry. Then making a meal and then just wolfing the meal down, not actually being present enough while I was eating. So um, I've kind of, over the last few months, that's been something that I have been focusing on um, and something that has couple of things that have really helped me is I've really been making the effort to turn my mealtimes into more of a ritual, uh, ritual, rich, ritual, ritual, um, rather than it just being a kind of like perched on a stool in my kitchen, shoveling food down. Um, and then I kind of sit there and look at what's on my plate, smell what's on my plate. Um, and then as I'm eating, I'm kind of thinking about, okay, if I had to go and repeat this, like this experience that I'm having right now, if I had to go and like tell it to somebody afterwards, what would I be able to tell them about it? And so it's just really slowing down how fast I'm eating because I'm, even if I'm not actually focused too much on what's in my mouth, I'm having this conversation, which is naturally just making me take my time and be able to pay attention to what's going on in my body a bit more. And something that I've done with one of my clients recently, because she was a wolfer and just not paying attention, is we got her to where she eats. She now has like a post-it note. She lives on her own, so she can do this. She's got like a post-it note circle of all kind of like reminders to, to check in with herself halfway through, slow the fuck down, like all of the things. And that's something that has just having the visuals there um has been really really helpful um for her um on her journey um but then i've also just had i don't know whether i've shared this um on here but i have i've got candida like sam had and so i'm having to i'm having to i'm starting to work with a practitioner and i'm having to do a lot of changes to my diet i'm having to stop drinking coffee oh, oh i know the struggle girl oh. for now for now but that's going to be that has been interesting because I'm now having to be more present and more mindful with literally everything around my food so I'm having to read labels again I'm having to like so it's really like you know refreshing my memory of being super mindful around food and being really present which isn't necessarily a bad thing it's not something I want to do forever because it can feel it can feel not that relaxing, um, but for now, it is necessary. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at with the mindful eating. Um, I think just as a practical step for anyone out there who's like, I don't even know where to start with this. 
Um, I would say probably that one of the most powerful things is just making your meal time an actual like ritual, ritual. So not just making it like this, ugh. and especially single women, actually, there's a real thing with single, all my single women clients I take on are like, yeah, I can't bother to cook for myself. And I just like, you know, I kind of eat standing up in the kitchen. It's almost like we don't think we deserve to have this as a, as a, a thing that we do and sit down and enjoy it and nurture ourselves and be, you know, respect ourselves as we're eating. Like we would if there was a, somebody sat opposite us or somebody else involved. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah. That's interesting because I mean, I, ha- I do have some single female clients, but a lot of my clients are busy moms who mm-hmm. don't take the time to slow down and eat because they're chasing kids around or they're in the car. They're, yeah, standing at the counter in the kitchen and just shoveling food down and not even realizing what they're doing, not feeling full, not feeling satisfied. And then I think because of that, grazing all day long. And that's the other problem about not being mindful and being present, like we talked about in last week's episode, like we're talking about now, being present with the experience and just living on autopilot is you don't even remember or notice some of the stuff that you're eating. That's where the bites, looks, and tastes really come in and will get you into trouble because a lick of peanut butter here, you know, a couple of cheese puffs off your kid's plate, those are calories that you are taking in, but they are doing nothing for your fullness or your satiety or anything like that. So, you know, yeah, a look here, a bite there that you probably don't even realize you're doing <laughs> isn't helping you get full, stay full, anything like that. So that's the one thing that I've really been trying to work on with people is like Sarah said, make the meal time an experience. So plate your food, do not eat standing up, do not eat out of a bag or a package or anything like that, but plate the food, sit down at a table without distractions. And I know this is so hard because I used to love uh, eating in front of the TV or eating while I was watching a show or hell, even eating while listening to a podcast, just like that whole thing of like needing to be distracted at all times. (laughs) And I still need to improve in that area, but I think if you can just sit with yourself or sit with your partner, whoever it is, and really slow down and be present, it's going to allow you, one, to enjoy your food more, enjoy the experience, and be able to tune more in with your hunger and fullness cues. The only thing you guys should be doing while you're eating is listening to this podcast on repeat. Exactly. <laughs> I need it's to listen to this while I'm eating next time. <laughs> Marcy, you brought up a really, a really good point. I am way out of the little kid stage, but it, you just brought me right back into it. Thinking about this, it seems like more of my clients. No, that's not. I have some with littler kids, but you want to talk about something that is not relaxing and you're trying to just get through it. It's a meal with little kids. Um, it is really hard. It's really hard to to be mindful and think about anything because. You're just trying to make it through. Yeah. <laughs> so my heart goes out to all you mamas of young kids and you can do it too. It's finding a way to make that happen. Um, that might take a little bit more intentionality. Mm-hmm. Some boundary setting maybe, or talking mm-hmm. to your partner or, you know, there's so many ways, but a hundred percent Kim, it's like carving out that space as like meals are a experience and meals are a form of self-care. And uh, it can be a really great way to practice just like being with yourself. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's the, because people can be so uncomfortable and like literally don't even know how to sit with themselves in silence without a meal. So maybe that is the first step is mm-hmm. being with your meal. So at least you have something to keep your mind stimulated, yeah. but you are not also multitasking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful so, this has been great, ladies. Let's uh, do a little round robin to wrap up real quick. Each person give us their one tip to to end it on. I'll go. I have it on the top of my head. Um, something that really helped me slow down um, before meals, besides my three W's, the weight, water, why, is having a barrier food. So like a really, really low calorie food that if you're feeling like urges to eat super fast or like eat while you prepare, I have a bad habit of doing that. I'm like working on it, um, is have a barrier food so that you don't eat half of your meal while you're standing up cooking it or preparing it. Um, which for me is either I'm chewing gum while I cook, or I'll have things like pickles or like baby carrots or like something that's not like really high in calories and it, and it allows you to like still have something without like totally screwing up your meal. So, uh, a lot of my clients do the pickles and it just works. It's super low calorie. It gives you crunchy, salty, and it kind of hydrates you. So I would recommend having a few go-to barrier foods in your fridge at all times. So that if you come home and you're freaking starving, you know, theoretically in your head, starving, mind, mind starving, you can slow yourself down and still give yourself permission to have something and have it not you know, ruin your fat loss. Mm-hmm. I'm all about that pickle life. My, my first online coach ever, he, it was a requirement, like in my nutrition guidelines document that he sent, like eat two pickles a day, not for <laughs> that purpose. I think it was for the, the sodium because like you need sodium when you're training hard. Um, but that is, yeah, that became my barrier food because of it for sure. So okay. great call. Kim. Well, first of all, I want to say, uh, Sam, I learned that barrier food thing from you. And I share that with clients all the time. I would never in a million years eat a pickle, ladies. I hate pickles. I would never eat them, but I do suggest pickles and and all those things. It's a great tip. Um, So the tip that I would give you is to really start paying attention to your physical hunger. Am I actually hungry when I sit down to eat? And just because you're not right now, if you're like, what do I do now? Like you can continue eating, just start noticing. Am I hungry? And as you're eating, start noticing the gradients of how you feel. Like at what point do you start feeling satisfied? What does satisfied even feel like? When do you get to feel a little bit overstuffed? What does that feel like? And just really start tuning into hunger and satisfaction. That would be step one for me. Yeah. Love it. Sarah. Um, be intentional. Have a mantra or a saying that you say before each meal time that sets your mind into what is about to happen. So even if it is just, I am going to be mindful when I eat, that is my intention. That's fine. But it's just saying that out loud um, and sticking to it. Mm-hmm. Love it. And mine is going to be, I really like the the bites left behind. So taking or being intentional about leaving some food on your plate so that you can practice not eating everything, not just like inhaling and having to finish it all and eating past the point of fullness and realizing, oh, I can eat a few bites or I can leave a few bites, excuse me, and still be satisfied. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Mm. So 
Great episode, ladies. I love this one. It was a, a good uh, follow-up from last week's. So, and if you have not listened to last week's episode on presence, definitely go give that a listen as well. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps it up. So we will be back next week. Talk to you then. Bye. 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 All right, that wraps up another episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. We know that life is crazy and time is precious, and we really do appreciate you spending your time with us. If you love this podcast, please subscribe, review and rate it on iTunes. Tag us in your stories on Instagram. Send this to your friends. Please, please, please just tell everyone about it. We are determined to have the biggest and the most inclusive community of women sitting at the picnic table together. We love you. We appreciate you. And we can't wait to hear what you think of this week's episode. Four women, one mission. We are the Decades of Strength. Sam, Marcy, Sarah, and Kim. Catch you right back here for our next episode.